actually. I can't believe we haven't done that one. I listen to it all the time when I'm out riding my bicycle. I've got my little playlist, and I thought, you know, I don't think we've ever done it. Good song. Well, we have a little time here. We're going to be serving communion to everybody this morning. I mean, normally in our sailor time, it's kind of a, you know, people come forward. Today, we're going to be doing a little different. Today, we're going to have you be seated, and we'll serve communion. We'll all take together this morning. But before we get there, we have enough time to just briefly talk about this. We are right smack dab in the middle of a series we're calling Five Songs That Can Change Your Life. And it's based on the book of Psalms. I will be teaching this to the uh, pastors there in Malawi. We're going to go through all 150. And basically... The Psalms are not poems. They are songs. You can even sometimes find out the, uh, the, the instrument they were written for. Every now and then they tell you the tune you're supposed to use. Of course, we don't know that tune. It was one that they knew and understood. These are songs. Songs about all kinds of things. Songs that our Father had not only written but preserved. And one of the reasons for that is, one, we all all wired for singing believe it or not even if you can't sing we are hardwired human beings are hardwired for music there has never been a culture that didn't have music music is just kind of universal but also before books and before everybody had stuff at home this is how you learned you you went to the synagogue back then and, and you learned these songs and i've told you before that even in the early church the first pastors to be ordained could not be ordained unless they had memorized all 150 songs because in the Psalms, God reveals to us who he is and how we should be living. They're not just kind of nice things that you should read every now and then. God had these written, and he had them preserved for a reason. So here's the songs we're looking at. A song of praise and a song of wisdom, a song of proclamation, a song of trust, and a song of honesty. We've already talked about praise, wisdom, and proclamation. We have all those sermons online. If you want to get on www.salemfirst.com, open up the podcast. You can listen to these sermons in all the other ones for the last about almost two years are right there. If you really want to do that, there they are. If you want to get caught up. Today, we're going to be talking about this, a song of trust. All right. What is the motto of the United States of America? It's the official motto. What is it? There it is. In God we trust. How long has it been our official motto? Not very long. 1956. So I'm actually older than our motto. There was a time when this wasn't the motto. Now, it's been on our coins for a long time. As a matter of fact, we started to put it on our coins right at the very end of the Civil War. In God we trust, about 1864. But on our printed money, on the paper money, when did it actually start to go on the paper money? About 1964. Prior to that, you will not find in God we trust on our paper money. It started after that now there's one big problem of course with this motto what is it it's not true don't tell me that our country trusts in god it's a good motto in our constitution you don't even have to believe in god to be an elected leader of our country did you know that matter of fact you can't require it the constitution refuses to allow any kind of um, religious oath. You don't have to be a believer. You can be an atheist and be elected to any high office in this country. And it's written in the Constitution. It's a wonderful motto. But it's really not true. If you look at our nation, we have a tendency to rely on um, our wealth, 
our power? Our place of prominence in the world? And those are good things. I'm not saying that those are bad things. It's just that's what we really rely on. We honestly don't trust in God yet as a full nation. But you know what? I, I really wouldn't expect us to as a nation. It's a great motto. But as a nation, now we're 300 million people. And it just doesn't work that way. But see, here's the real question. Is it this? What are you going to build your life on? What are you trusting in? Our nation really trusts in its power and its might and its wealth. And those things have, have served it well up to this particular point. We're not everything that our Father would have us be as a nation. But let's face it, we, I still believe we're the greatest nation on the planet. And we have relied on these other things. But here's a question for you. is What are you going to build your life What's going to be your life song motto? Okay? I mean, it's not just a motto. It's a life song. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's what you do. By the way, if you're looking for sermon notes, you don't have them today. It's been a busy week. So uh, you'll just have to make do the old-fashioned way. Let's stand to our feet and read this incredible song of trust right here. Ready? Read together, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. O oh, people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Selah. Very good. Please be seated. That is a song of trust. Not a bad motto at all. As a matter of fact, this is not a bad motto right here. If you wanted to use this motto. In God, we trust. But this one is even better. Ready? In God, I trust. Is this your life song motto? Now, I mean, not just in word, like our country does, but I mean in actual action. And the reason that the Psalms go over this and over this, and there are so many songs, 20, 30, 40 songs that just really focus in on trusting God, the reason for this is we need to be reminded from time to time. We are a very forgetful people. Earlier today, as a matter of fact, uh, where are you? Yeah, Terry Hagley said, now, can you remember to do the, um, the uh, oh, now I even forgot the class. Oh, it was the Financial Peace University. He said, can you, can you make that announcement? I said, I, I don't know. In the middle of a Sunday, I just don't know if I can do that. He said, here, I'll give you 10 bucks if you remember. So he did. Here's 10 bucks. And I remembered. It was worth it. Good. That's what I'm exactly what I'm going to do here. It's, for, it's from Malawi. I don't need 10 bucks. But I, he, I'm a forgetful person, particularly on a Sunday like this. People come to me and, man, I, I forget so many things because my mind's going so many different places. But it's not just Sunday mornings. It's other times. We, we need to be reminded. We've got to remember, which is why the Psalms over and over and over again, these beautiful songs written by God say, trust in me. Remember to trust in me. Don't trust in this. Don't trust in that. But trust 
in me. We need to be reminded often. In just a little time we have here this morning, I want to give you three times in particular that we need to be reminded. And God has written a song for every single one of them. First of all, we need to be reminded when times are really, really good. You know why? Because we have a tendency to trust our wealth. In our nation, that's what we do. We're a very wealthy nation. We, nation, we trust in that. And we're people who trust in our wealth. I mean, even the poorest here probably has running water. I'm about to go spend a month with people who have nothing like that. We have wealth. And we tend to put our trust there. You know, let's just build up that, that nest egg. Although it wasn't but a few years ago that we saw how quickly those nest eggs can be cracked and broken. And yet that's where we put our trust. Jesus one time talked about a man who was just like that, who, by the way, is just like all of us. About a man who, who wanted to be productive. He was a good capitalist. He would have fit really well in America because he turned his farm into the most productive farm he could. So productive, in fact, that he didn't know what to do with all the produce. He built, he said to himself, you know what, here's what I'll do. I will build great big barns and imagine how rich I will be because I am such a good farmer. And now you can substitute, you're such a good, put in whatever it is you do. And you can earn so much money. And you can be set for life. And this is what Jesus said. This is in the parable. But God said to him, meaning the farmer, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And who will get what you prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. It doesn't matter what you have, how much or how little. If you're going to build your life on those things, you're going to stumble and fall. Long ago, our father had a song written to remind us all of what is really important. This is what he said. Man is a mere phantom. As he goes to and fro, he bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Where's your hope? What are you building on? Now, Financial Peace University is going to help you understand the best way to build the worldly wealth and to make a nice solid foundation Except it's really not your foundation, is it? Because even if you follow all the rules, you can lose it all. You can do everything right and end up poor. There are no guarantees. It's foolish to trust in our riches. and our See, this is one thing that God wants to remind us. Ready? It's just stuff, okay? It's just stuff. I have a, a whole cabinet in my office that's full of stuff that has value only to me. It's little things I've collected over the years, things that, that people have given to me. Even this morning, someone, uh, I won't mention their name, I don't have permission to do that, but actually made, see this little clip, those of you who've been with us the past few months called a, a cracked pot, look at this, made it, and, and it says on here, embracing our broke or embrace our brokenness okay i mean this this is special to me it's going to go right into my my collection of things that remind me of how much 
God loves me through his people. That's stuff, but it's just stuff. It has value to me, but it's just stuff. Relationship that we have with one another, relationship with our Father is far more important. How much stuff do you have? But you know what? I don't care how much you have. I don't care what kind of value is on it. You know what it is? It's just stuff. If you don't, build your life on it. The second time we really need to be reminded about trusting in our Father is when I'm under attack. We suffer all kinds of attacks, um, financial attacks. Those have happened just recently. Or health attacks. We have people right now in this congregation who are facing severe health crises. Personal attacks from enemies or even from people who used to be friends and family members who turn on us and say all kinds of things about us. Now, some people in the midst of attack, this is the way you live. Right here. Ready? Here we go. When in danger or in doubt, run in circles, scream. That should be an S right there. I like cream and shout, though. However, scream and shout, okay? Some of us, that's what we do. We kind of run around in circles. We kind of lose it all. We just, ah! Are you an ah kind of person? You know what? I think all of us from time to time, that's our first initial reaction. Hopefully it doesn't stay around for very long. Some of us live there. We just kind of um, panic whenever we're attacked. But when we put our trust in God, this is what can happen. Now watch this. When I first read this song long ago, I remember even putting it down going, Father, this, this is incredible. It's a song of David when he escaped from, now, from Absalom. Now remember, if you know, remember the story, David had now been chased out of Jerusalem by his own son. It wasn't some stranger who had come in to attack. It was his own son who had turned against him, gathered enough people around him that his own father, David, had to run for his life. Now I don't know how dysfunctional your family is, but friends... Probably you don't match this. I doubt that any of your sons are out to actually kill you. David's was. And this is what he said. David wrote this. God, look, enemies past counting. Enemies sprouting like mushrooms. Mobs of them all around me. Roaring their mockery. Ha! No help for him from God. But you, O oh God, shield me in all sides. You ground my feet. You lift up my head high. With all my might, I shout out to God. He answers thunder from the holy mountains. I stretch myself out. I sleep. Now I'm up again, rested, tall and steady. Did you see that? Attacked by his own son. And what does David do? He takes a nap. Why? He trusted in God. He knew that God would... However God wanted this to work out, it was going to work out. He knew it. He trusted him so much that he could lay down and sleep. How many of you have trouble sleeping at night because of all the struggles and the problems you're facing? I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night and lay there. I'm learning to trust my Father so much that in the midst of the difficult times... I can say, Father, I trust you so much. You got this one. I know you can handle it. I'm going to take a nap. 
That's incredible. That's the kind of trust that, that our Father is looking for. See, because this is what David knew right here. In the end, it really won't matter. Okay? All the struggles and all the problems that we're going through, in the end, all of those really won't matter. All of those will be set aside. All of those will be settled some way, somehow. Good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. It's all going to be settled. And in the end, it really won't matter because only one thing is going to matter to me. Do I know the Lord Jesus Christ? Is my father my father? What do I just call him that? That's the only thing I'm going to be able to take with me. That's the only thing that's really going to matter. How many people were against me? The troubles I went through, they're painful. They didn't want to go through those. Nobody wants to go through those things. But in the end, it won't matter. Because my father knows me, loves me, and my Savior is preparing a place for me. He's already made that promise. And a third time, we really need to be reminded to trust in our Father, not in our stuff, not on our power, not in anything else, is when God doesn't make sense. And if this hasn't happened to you, you're just not trying hard. You know, lots of times, my Father doesn't make sense to me. The way that He's leading doesn't make sense at all. I just finished a book, and I read a lot. It's, it's actually my, the way that I unwind. It's an interesting book because it was about the uh, Oregon Trail, the very first, in 1843, the very first wagons that made it from Independence, Missouri, to where? Oregon City, Oregon, right here. Their whole goal was the Willamette Valley. And I used to live along the Oregon Trail over there in, the, in Fruitland. I mean, just not too far from where we lived, you could still see wagon tracks in the mud. The very first time, a thousand people took their wagons and their animals and their families across it. They had no idea where they were headed or what was up ahead. That the whole pathway was new to them. And they just kept at it. All they had was the promise of the Willamette Valley. You know, it's right where we live. Isn't this something? This was the promised land. We live right here, take it for granted. That was the promised land for them. And they spent months and months and months and lost lots of lives just to get here. Being a Christ follower sometimes is like that. I don't know where I'm going. Now, the good news, of course, is I trust in my father. In the original Oregon Trail, they had to trust in their guides who would ride a little head and say, okay, I think this would be the best path. But, but even then, they really didn't know. Then the guides would move ahead a little bit more and say, okay, I think maybe we need to turn here and come over here because this would be the best one. I have no idea what the next step is for my father, what he's going to do with me. I don't. But I trust that he's a better guide than those guys were in Oregon Trail. He sees the entire path. He knows all the twists and turns. And there are times that he takes me in a twist and a turn, and I say, Father, are you sure? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you do this? Why would you allow this? What's going on, Father? There's a song about that. Psalm 13, this is what it says. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever been there? Father, I don't get this. I'm struggling, and I don't get the way you're leading me. I know you're leading, but I just don't get it. 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Getting a little cheeky here, isn't he? We'll see next week. That's that's a good thing. It's called a song of honesty. Don't play games with God. Then he says this, Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But... I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he he has been good to me. Okay, I'm in the middle of this journey, and there's no water around me, and there's no feed for my livestock, and I think I'm struggling. I have no idea what's next. And I don't hear you speaking to me, and I feel all alone. trust you, Lord. I trust the pathway, and I trust you know what you're doing. Just keep me on the right path. You make no sense. I think I'm losing. But I trust you. In the face of cancer, in the face of financial difficulties, in the face of the pain that you didn't cause, it just Father, why am I here? Why, am, why are you leading me this way? And he never tells you why. He just says, trust me. I got this. I know the path. And I will get you where I want you to go. See, that's what these songs are all about. In the beginning... I ask you this question, what are you going to build your life on? But that's really not the question, is it? It's actually a bad question. Here's the real question. Who are you going to build your life on? We don't build our lives on philosophy. We don't build our lives on, on ideas. We don't build our lives on ideals. We build our life on a person, on a living being, on God himself, as he's revealed through the Father Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, we're learning to trust Him while we also trust other things. Okay, let's, let's not play the game. Next week, we're going to talk about honesty. Let's not play the game of saying, yes, Father, I trust you completely, because it's not true. It isn't. We're learning to trust Him. Hopefully, throughout your life, you're, you're putting more and more of your trust on Him. But let's face it. We still trust in our wealth. We still trust in our abilities. We trust in lots of other things while we're learning to put God more and more center of our lives. There's only one thing that I urge you to do this morning to put your complete trust in. And it's simply this. Trust Him alone for your salvation. Here there can be no God plus. This is God and God alone. This is Jesus and Jesus alone. Not Jesus and your wealth, not Jesus and anything else. This is Jesus and Jesus alone. This is what the Bible says. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is it, guys. This is why we preach this so clearly. This is who we are. We can, as we become Christ followers, we can learn to trust God and we still are putting away money, and it's okay to have that, and we kind of trust that too. And we're, We can learn to make God more and more center of, of our lives, but when it comes to salvation, you need to do it now. 
This isn't something I want you to learn a little bit. I mean, right now, trusting Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Nothing else. By the way, if you ever want to find out if you're really trusting or someone's trusting, here's the question you ask them. If you were to die tonight and stand before heaven and we were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? It's amazing the answers you get. Even from people who've been in the church for a while. If you were to die tonight and stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? These are the answers of people, well, I've tried to be really good. Okay, what are they trusting in? Um, I read the Bible all the time. What are they trusting in? I go to church. What are they trusting in? I give lots of money. What's the answer? You shouldn't let me in. I'm a sinner. Which, by the way, is one of the prerequisites for being a Christ follower. If you're not a sinner, you can't be a Christ follower, okay? You got to do that first. But trust me, you are, so don't worry about it. You shouldn't let me in, Father. There's only one reason your son died for me and I've received him and I trust in what he's done. And my father says, good answer, come on in. It's the way Jesus put it. When he met Martha after Martha's brother Lazarus had died and Jesus went late. Actually delayed so that he knew Lazarus would be dead because this was something that he knew he had to do to show people who he was. He shows up and Martha says, you know, if you hadn't if you'd been here he wouldn't he wouldn't have died. Why didn't you come? Were you a good friend? You could have come. You weren't that far away. Why didn't you come? Now, she didn't say all those things, but you know what she meant. And he said, well, don't worry, he'll, he'll rise again. And Martha says, well, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know eventually in the resurrection, he will rise again, and I'll see him again in the end. That's a trite little answer that people like to give one. And Jesus looked at him and said this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never the resurrection is not an event. It's not a time. It's not a place. The resurrection is a person. And his name is Jesus. And when you receive him, you've already received the resurrection. Because that's who he is. But then Jesus added the million dollar question right at the very end of this. You remember what it is? What did he say next? He said this. This is what now, now I told you who I am, we're going to bring it right down to the bottom line. Do you believe in me? Because if you don't believe it, then it won't do you any good. Who are you going to trust for your salvation? Who are you going to put your full and complete 
trust in your salvation plan. Not half and half, not 90-10, 100%. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? Father, learning to trust you, learning to um, base our lives and our hope and our future and our present and the struggles we face, Father, that's something we're learning to do. And, and over the course of our lives, we will get better at that. But when it comes to salvation, that needs to happen now. You're so clear on that one. It, it needs to happen now. So my prayer is this, as we get ready to receive these elements that represent what Jesus Christ has done for us, that right now, Father, each one of us would once again, or maybe for the first time, say to you that we receive your Son as Lord and Savior. That we're trusting not in our, in our own goodness or our church going or the other things that we do. That All of that means nothing to you as far as our salvation, Father. You're not impressed with it at all. We're going to stand before you and claim one name and one name only, the name of Jesus Christ. We're not telling you we understand it, Father. We're not here to say we, we comprehend fully the salvation you've done. Father, we just receive it and accept it. And now, Father, I pray that every person here, for the hundredth time or the first time, would once again acknowledge your Son as Savior. That we admit our sin. And that we are helpless without you. And that's what we want to do now, Father. In the symbolism and the ceremony that you gave to us so long ago. Through the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Father.